Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, this is Brian Polson, host of Open Record. Throughout September, we are revisiting some of our favorite podcast episodes from the past three years. This week, we take you inside the surveillance van with producer Pete. That's not his real name, by the way. But when you do undercover work from time to time, you need to keep a low profile and you need to know how long you're going to be on a stakeout before you drink that large coffee. This really is one of my favorites. So as we continue to work on new material for the future, I hope you enjoy this encore presentation of Open Record, The Art of Surveillance. It makes me laugh every time, and I know it makes you laugh. And this has been, what, four years now, maybe? Well, here's the other thing. This was our secret. And now, <laughs> and now it won't anymore. be anymore. Not anymore. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. We're investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. On today's episode, the art of surveillance, why we do it, and what it takes to get what we need. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Polson here with Jenna Sachs. Hello. And today, a special guest host, the infamous producer Pete. Hello. Welcome. Producer Pete, Thank welcome. You. So producer Pete uh, is not usually in front of the microphone or in front of the camera. He's behind the scenes. And Pete's not even his name. But we're no. not going to tell you his name. <laughs> it's a secret. And you know, you're the kind of guy at the station where I think people outside our unit might not really understand what you do. And it, it's, you, sometimes you do a lot the of news things. director doesn't understand. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> what exactly do you do here? So what do you do here, <laughs> Pete? Well, I am the guy that helps. And I get things uh, that uh, we need to have to make our stories count, I guess. Um, part of it is uh, surveillance that we're talking about today. And it's actually a lot of fun for me. I enjoy it. I can't believe I went to college for this. Uh, <laughs> but I did. And so I um, sit in vans and get pictures of people that we need to put on TV. <laughs> now, that, And that's one of the more interesting things we'll talk about, but it's certainly not all you do. No. Uh, Pete does a lot of behind-the-scenes work. He does a lot of the research. He goes to the courthouse all the time, is sorting through records. Mm -hmm. He's making phone calls, doing interviews. So there's a lot you do, but surveillance is certainly a big aspect, and we're going to talk about sort of how we get into that uh, today. For more than four years, Larry Kane was counseling drug addicts in Mequon and Glendale without a license, and nobody was watching. That is, until we sent producer Pete to watch him from the back of a minivan. Uh, doing surveillance is just part of the job sometimes when you're doing investigations, but this is one time we almost got caught. Oh, boy, did we ever. I have the audio clip to prove it, but we're going to come back to that because I want to talk about the story that started this whole thing. It was a call from a woman named Rita Michaels in Muskego. Now, her son is a heroin addict, and she was doing all she could to keep him in treatment so he wouldn't end up like just another statistic as part of the growing opioid crisis. So Rita uh, sent her son, Nick Sullivan, to see a professional counselor named Larry Kane. She would actually drive him more than 70 miles round trip for these appointments, and along the way, racked up thousands of dollars in therapy bills. 
But shouldn't some of that be covered by insurance? Well, in theory, it should be. But she soon discovered Kane was not submitting any of her claims to her insurance company. Big red flag. Because he didn't have a license to do professional counseling. Not for her son. Not for anyone else. They talked about you treating him at length in 2014 and 15. Can you explain that? I didn't charge him. You didn't charge him? No. Does that make it legal? No, you can't. No comment. Brian, what led up to that exchange? Like you don't know. <laughs> no, so that was Larry Kane, and, and I, that was an unscheduled interview that I had with him outside his office on Port Washington Road in Glendale. That clinic was called Psychological Evaluation and Consulting Services. Now, he'd previously worked on the name Wisconsin Community Mental Health Center in Mequon. Uh, but by the time I confronted him in the fall of 2016, He'd been working without a valid professional license for more than four years. So did Larry Kane ever have a license to do drug treatment or counseling? He did. In fact, he had one as far back as 1994. He had as many as three licenses at one time. But he repeatedly got in trouble with the state for false advertising, shady billing practices, violating patient privacy. And this was really bizarre, but he was doing therapy with patients in public places Like, while he was literally running his own errands, like going to the dry cleaners, he'd be doing therapy with someone in the passenger seat. So by February of 2012, the state had enough, and they yanked all of his professional licenses. So this guy loses his license to practice in 2012, and he just kept doing it anyway? Exactly. Ten months after he lost his license, all of his licenses— he, the state found he was still practicing as though he'd never lost it at all. So they warned him again. They said, if you keep doing this, we're going to refer you to the DA for criminal charges. Now, remember, that was 2012. It wasn't until 2014 that Rena Michaels' son started seeing him. And two years after that, that we finally heard from her. So it was four years later. And there he is still illegally seeing clients. So did Rita or her son know that Kane wasn't licensed? They said they didn't know that initially, and it was when the uh, insurance uh, claims weren't being made that she then discovers he's not licensed. But, of course, he kept going to see him, and you wonder, well, why would he do that? And you remember, her son was a heroin addict, and a big part of going to see Larry Kane was it was a requirement for him to get his Suboxone prescription, which is a drug that can be used to wean someone off of an opioid addiction. And so he knew he had to go to these appointments or else the doctor wasn't going to give him his prescription. So he kept going to this guy who didn't have a license. And then you question, is he just paying for a service that really isn't doing him any good? And ultimately he says, yeah, that these, these sessions were in his mind, a joke and they weren't helping him get through whatever problem he was having his addiction to heroin. So you said earlier that you did surveillance on this clinic. Why is, why did this story require well, so this is one of those cases. So we first get the tip, and, and this happens in so many cases, is that we get a tip on something where or a person describes, all right, this one person is a bad actor. They're doing a bad thing. And, and the first thing we have to do is prove it. And in Larry Kane's case, we're being told he's working at this clinic. He doesn't have a license. And I think, well, how do I prove he's actually seeing these clients? Because the first thought is, well, maybe he has three or four other therapists working for him, and he just runs the office. He might be allowed to run the office without a license as long as he's not doing the therapy himself. So the first thing was to just watch the clinic and see our other therapists coming and going. And it didn't look like they were. There was an office staff member who would come and go. I mean, Pete, you're the one who was sitting there. So you remember you'd see like an office staff person come in in the morning. I think you had video. In the morning. She was coming in with like a McDonald's bag or something. Yeah. And we even came to – I went to his house one time early in the morning just to see his routine 
Uh, He drove a white, nice, nice, white, big, huge truck, which was easy to spot in traffic. Uh, I followed him to work and uh, uh, just sat there and waited to see how many times he would come in and out or if patients would go in and out. Uh, I remember doing that more than a few times. So what we started to see was this pattern emerge that it was it was Larry Kane showing up at the clinic and he was the only one who appeared to be there who could do any kind of uh, counseling. There didn't appear to be any other counselors coming and going. And then, of course, the next thing we wanted to do was we wanted to talk to him mm-hmm. and ask him, sort of confront him. If you go knock on his front door, most likely he's going to slam the door in your face. Right. And nobody wants to talk about doing something illegal, right? Or he might not be there and it's a waste of our time to right. go out there. Yeah, so, so this is one where by sitting in... Uh, the parking lot or nearby um, watching, we know when he's going to be there. And what you found, Pete, I recall, is he liked to smoke. He liked to smoke. And that's uh, it makes it easy when they do that and they have a personal habit uh, because he would do that quite a bit. And, you know, smokers sit outside for two or three, four minutes. And basically, that's all we need. It used to be a lot easier to confront people because more people smoked, not as many people do anymore. And they take smoke breaks outside. And that was a chance to go and talk to them for what I referred to earlier as the unscheduled interview. Um, Ideally, we want to schedule interviews with people. We want to sit down. We want to ask them questions. This is one where we're finding a guy who's who's repeatedly been violating the law. We know he's doing it again, and we wanted to sort of get that element of surprise um, and and, and get his answers without any preparation. Right. What are you doing here? Why are you seeing clients when you shouldn't? And then the day you did the unscheduled interview, I had seen him out. Um, He'd been out for quite some time, and I said, I gave you a call and told him, told you that he was available. Yeah, so that's what we talked about. So so this is, and, and there are so many, we've been doing surveillance. I, I started here 15 years ago, and I've sat in the back of a lot of minivans and, and cars and SUVs watching for people, and, and oftentimes it's really boring. It's you can speak to it. It's, it's yes. not exciting work because you're sitting there waiting for a door to open or a car to come, and maybe they don't all day long, and you're just trying not to fall asleep. Um, in, in this case, uh, well, and thankfully Pete came along because Pete, you do so much of the surveillance now. I don't have to, um, in the cold and the heat, whatever it is. And, and this, this day, was a good time of year, by the way, it was spring. Yeah. So yeah, it was not too hot. Spring, so it's, it was nice. Because yeah. you can't let the vehicle run. Right. Because then it draws attention. People right. see the exhaust or the vibration or whatever. So you're sitting in a car that's off. So the air conditioner doesn't work. Right. The heater doesn't work. Right. Um, and that gets really cold in the winter, I'm sure. Yes. I, I have a couple of bag of tricks. I take, uh, don't tell anybody in Wisconsin that I take uh, hand warmers, you know. Why do you uh, say don't take what? They think because they, they make fun of you if you find, you know, oh. Wisconsinites. Like, it gets you don't cold. Need, I, mean, I know, it gets cold I know right? But you're sitting in there in the van and it, it gets, gets cold to be, in Nebraska. You know, yeah. And I don't, I don't pay attention to the weather. I don't want to know how cold it is uh, when it's below zero. I'd rather not know. Um, and then I take uh, extra hats and gloves. And I used to have a little kit bag that I would keep all these things in and, you know, extra batteries because I don't know how long I'm going to be out there. Snacks, you know, different times of year, beef jerky, you know, candy bars. <laughs> Do you ever have anyone come up and knock on the window or try to talk to you? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kane did that very thing. He was on a smoke break. And I, I got excited. I said, oh, he's there. You know, and he was sitting right. So when I, I parked the van, it was in a pub, public place where you can, I try to park in a public place. It's like place. a strip mall, right? Strip like mall area, public right, parking next lot. to his yeah. office. And it, we have a couple of vans. This one was a bigger one, so it sits up really high. And it was a perfect shot to his front door. And I was there. It was comfortable. Everything was set up. And he comes out and he smokes. I'm like, beautiful. I'm not going to be here all day. So he stares in my direction. I'm like, there's no way this guy sees me, right? Tinted windows, 
We have covers over the windows. I have the camera up. I'm on a tripod. You can't see it. And then he goes out of frame. And so now I'm nervous because I'm like, where is it? where'd he go? What's he doing? He usually smokes right here. This is his spot. I know this because I've seen him do it. And then all of a sudden, I see this, this face pop up. You know how when you're a kid and you try to peek into a window? It was Larry Kane peeking into the van. And I kind of so, I kind of screamed. <laughs> what do you do when that happens? Because you're not really prepared for that. I was not prepared. It scared me to no end. Uh, I mean, I wasn't doing anything illegal. It was just the idea that I'm trying to get this guy who's not supposed to know that I'm there. And when you say get him, you mean get a couple shots. Get a couple shots of him, you know, just some video in a public place. But it, something I did made him nervous, and maybe the maybe he knew the van wasn't supposed to be there. Maybe that was somebody. You said it was a spot. big van. It did kind of stand out. It did. And and I, I recall mm-hmm. where you were parked while you weren't on his property. It was close enough that maybe he wasn't used to seeing a vehicle there. Yeah. Thought, what's yeah. this vehicle all about? Or maybe there was a reflection. But or- so when I say, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> you, I mean, you don't know how you're going to react. Pete reacted by giving me this phone call. Hey, Brian, listen to me. What? He is up on the van peeking in the windows. On your van? Yes. Okay. Well, like, no, so I, I'm kind of hiding down a little bit because he hasn't seen me yet, but he came around. I lost him when he came out. Okay. He was getting smoke and then he disappeared. And so now I'm hiding on the floor, but I can't pick up yet. Okay. All right. Just, okay, stay down. Bye. Bye. So that, this okay. this call happens, and we're both like exasperated oh, no. from right. both ends. Yeah, a little nervous. And, <laughs> and it just it's, I don't know what I expected you to do. Quite frankly, but I had to call someone. Now, of right? course, the, que- the obvious question is, be, how did I get a recording of this phone call? So at the time, uh, I had an app on my phone. I no longer have this app, um, but it recorded all of my phone calls. And it was very handy because of something like this, just right. because it's fun to listen it's to funny. years later. Um, but I would use it when uh, people would call me, maybe who were uh, targets of an investigation, mm-hmm. and they say something incriminating, and oh my gosh, I don't have proof. Have it, yeah. so, so that's why I had it recording. Um, I've saved this audio clip because <laughs> it makes me laugh every time, and I know it makes you laugh. And this has been, what, four years now maybe? Well, here's the other thing. This was our secret. And now, <laughs> and now it won't anymore. be anymore. Not anymore. So I assume he just peeked in the windows and eventually left? Yeah, he just left? peeked in the window. I hid uh, and stayed down there until I was almost sure that he left. And then I'm like, well, if you're busted, you're busted. And so, I, and then, so Brian knew he was there. So mm-hmm. Brian was heading over uh, to do the the interview, which Larry Kane didn't know. That's why I was there. And so he it got the ball rolling for Brian to go finish the rest of it. And uh, I got to hide and stay in the van until he finished that. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we had no reason to believe that he was any kind of a scary guy. It wasn't like you feared him no, because no, no, he was no, some no. dangerous guy. It's no. just like you said, when, you're so not, when he's not supposed to know you're there, right. and suddenly his face is right in the window. But Pete did the best thing you can do, which is the natural reaction in that situation is to think, he knows I'm here. I got to give myself up. I have to explain why I'm here. He didn't. He just stayed quiet in the van. He didn't move. And it gave me, at that point, if you look, if you're, if you're Larry Kane from the other end, I wonder if he's listening to this. Wouldn't this be interesting for him to hear? But if you're on the other end, you think, well, I still don't know why this van is here. It's weird. Right. Okay. And right. then he goes back to smoking. And it gave me time to get from the television station to that part of Glendale, um, which is right near the interstate, mm-hmm. Port Washington Road near the interstate. And uh, gave me time to get there with a photographer and then go and approach him. And we asked him a lot of questions. And it turned out to be a crucial interview because he not only admitted that he had done 
the, the treatments. He tried to excuse it by saying I didn't charge him. Well, that doesn't make it right. okay. You're not supposed to treat people. Um, but we also knew that he had charged. We had the receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so that it, became, took his, it took his mind off me. It, right? it did. Well, <laughs> he had yeah. something else to consider at that point. But it was a crucial interview. And I was able to ask him probably seven or eight, maybe nine questions before he finally went back in the building. Had I just gone to his front door knocked on it. He sees me, cracks it open. I tell him who I am. He shuts the door. We don't get to ask any of that. Right. We don't get the verification that he knows he treated this this patient illegally. Um, and, and then w- there were a couple of very telling moments when I said, or he denied certain things that I had asked. And I said, well, Rita Michaels and her son tell me this is the case. Are you saying they're lying? And there was a long pause. And then he said no comment and walked away. It was very, very telling. Mm-hmm. Again, those moments wouldn't have happened had we not done the surveillance and had you not had to hide on the floor. Right. <laughs> yeah, Pete, I have to imagine you see a lot of things when you're out on surveillance. Can you think of some of the strangest things you've seen, the most interesting the, things you've seen? Yeah, the strangest thing that, that stands out to me, uh, we did a story on towing, and I had to sit on a guy's uh, tow lot. Uh, I was probably out there maybe three hours. And there was this guy that came to the side. He was walking on a sidewalk. So the story was people were towing their cars, and this guy wouldn't give them back. And, you know, it got to be a, a mess. But so I'm sitting there waiting for the owner to show up. I needed video of him. Because there was nobody there nobody, at the time, No right? one was there. Just was watching just, the building. Watching the building. a lot. Right. Okay. And this guy starts kicking in the door. I'm recording. Like, why is this guy kicking in the door? So he goes inside. Nothing happens. I'm like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And I can hear things, but I don't know what's going on. And then I see a car uh, speed out of the lot. And I got video of that and got the license plate, got him driving down the street. And I thought, I think I just got a crime in progress here. Like a robbery? <laughs> like this guy broke into the tow lot to steal his own car. Well, that's what we assume was the case because yes. the, this tow company was very controversial in the way they were taking vehicles and then the, the amount they would charge. And there were a lot of confrontations with you wouldn't call them customers because they weren't willing customers, but people whose cars had been towed from private property. It looked like, based on what you got on video, mm-hmm. this was a guy who just said, "I'm going. It's my car. It's my I'm going car. To get I'm it. taking it back." Mm-hmm. So he went and he had his keys with him and he broke in and yeah. I assume you stealing? used that in the story or no? No, we actually didn't. No, I I came back and told my boss and Pete is still upset Pete. at me to this day that we did not <laughs> use that in the story. I will probably never get another crime in progress the yeah. rest of my career. We had way too much material in a good way for that story, but it was it almost took it off track to try to explain what's going on here. Right. Although when yeah. I look back now, right. what a telling moment to say this is how controversial their business operation yeah, is. No, that someone some people would, are. Or, or doubt, back. yeah, yeah, that they would break in to steal their own vehicle, and then at that point, it does raise the question: Is that vehicle theft if you own it? Yeah, it's probably just yeah. breaking and entering. I'm sure. Be You're breaking and entering to steal what is but, your but the, property. But the property, but, but then again, you haven't paid the bill, so I don't know. So that's then, a yeah. yeah, still out there. We still have the video somewhere. Do we? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll do a follow up. <laughs> so a lot of what you do is you know watching properties, watching mm-hmm. houses. For me, you do a lot of undercover shopping. That kind of thing That's for product true. tests, that right. kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, what do you do if you need breaks in the middle of the day? I know you watch some of these properties. Do you ever need to leave well, and come back, or do you have to be careful yeah. about moving too much? Don't tell Brian, but sometimes I will go and uh, take a potty break. <laughs> if I need to well, yeah. I, that sounds terrible for me, don't tell Brian. But, <laughs> As so, he sits right here. <laughs> so th- this is the thing about surveillance is if you're watching for someone and you know they may come out at any time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you, you're going to be there for eight hours. Yeah. You've been there for three. 
you made the mistake of having a coffee or a Diet Coke or whatever it is in the morning and you've got to go, but you think, when do I leave? Because the moment I leave, you know, that's when they're coming out. Right. And there, there have been times that's happened to both of us. You know, and I, I it was probably some schemes that I've thought about because you, you get a, time, a lot of time to think. So I thought, man, I need to develop a GPS that's legal because it's illegal to put GPS on people. <laughs> yeah, not, probably. Not right? I've done stories but, on this. You can't, you can't just you go can't put GPS on somebody's car. Like, yeah. That would be great because then I would know and then I can go get lunch and come back and then, you know, it would just work out for me. And it's For the record, he's joking. <laughs> Maybe you could just get the NSA to help you out. How about that? We could just you get some aerial views you and go. Yeah. like Will Smith Drone. can get Involved. Right. And, you um, a drone license, you know. Mm-hmm. And via the state, that was the reference on the Will Smith, by the way. I don't know yeah. if you've seen the movie. Very good. Anyway, totally yeah. different story. <laughs> but but it was that kind of thing. It was surveillance and tracking from the sky. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But but you, it's it's not it's not that I think a lot of people probably do think it's that sophisticated that we have like, you know, satellite views and four vehicles tailing people and other things. It's not no, like when we did uh Lester Buchanan, I mean something happened with him every day. So mm-hmm. I was excited to go because I knew every day he was going to do something. This mm-hmm. was the housing authority. Housing authority. Guy um, friends up. of housing worker right. who was instead of working was at home and, every day working yeah. on his house and the parking spot that I had for him I had two or three options to park so I wouldn't look obvious in a neighborhood because they had vans there mm-hmm. they had buses that went through the neighborhood uh, a lot of things that made it easier for me to just to sit there in the open yeah I've had weeks. that conversation with you before where I called you up mm-hmm. and said hey I need you to watch this property for me but parking's going to be a problem or yeah, you're really going to stick yeah, out in this yeah. neighborhood well and then w- when we did the uh, uh Gregory Cash. The contractor. The one mm-hmm. came out of the house and asked me, knocked on my window and said, what are you doing in my neighborhood? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's going to call the police and I'm going to have to explain all this. This is going to be a long day. Mm-hmm. I said, well, so I told her about her neighbor and I said, but since I have you here, can I use your driveway? Because mm-hmm. it gets me off the street, right? And she's like, well, hold on a minute. And she went and asked her husband, like, yeah, you can park in our driveway. So I parked in the shot that you got mm-hmm. of him leaving uh, was from their driveway. And it took 45 minutes after that because it was a much better spot. There are some places where it's really hard to do surveillance because, yeah. like, especially maybe more affluent neighborhoods where there's not parking on the street and there are large lots mm-hmm. where it doesn't make a lot of sense to be maybe parked on a curb of a street when everyone's got giant driveways. Sure. So it's harder to pull that kind of stuff off. And you may not be able to see the garage door because it's off to the side. Right. But then right. you have some neighborhoods mm-hmm. where it's just ideal yeah. uh, in, in easier and to do sometimes surveillance. And sometimes the one time when we did, you might not remember the story, then you sent me to Chicago, which was a two-and-a-half-hour drive from here. And so well, this, is the, we, this is wheeling. When we, are you talking no, no, about? No, no. Uh, the Chicago when the guy stole the ID and I had to sit on his house. He stole the... Oh, this was yeah. the... Uh, and, yes, yeah. right. Okay. And there was a guy that came out and did his yard work, and I surmised that maybe this neighbor didn't hang out with the other neighbors, and I said, hey, look, this is where I'm from. This is what I'm doing. Can you tell me the habits of this guy? Does he come home in the afternoon, this, that, and the other? And so he gave me a lot of information about the guy, about when he shows up, when he leaves for work, just because... And that's always... The street. That's a gamble, because a gamble. if you go out and it happens to be a neighbor who's good friends, then they immediately tell him, hey, yeah. this guy's out here watching you in a van every but day. But that worked out. Oh, so you, I only you have, have to, to decide, is this days, someone I can right. risk approaching and yeah. talking to? If if they end up being someone who's not going to give up your secrets, yeah. that intelligence is huge because you always want to know when do people come and go? How do I maximize the chance I'm going to see them? And that guy, he's like, I don't want to talk to you about any of this. I said, just does he come home in the afternoon? He's like, yes. I said, that paid the off the next day. Two or four. He's like, yes. I went down with Kale Zimmy <laughs> the next day after you got that yeah. information, and boom. Yeah. So you did surveillance once for me overnight. I felt a little bad about it. We talked about it. Party yeah, Patrol? Party yeah, Patrol, yeah, yeah. where there was the party house that sure. we, were, we were monitoring at night, yeah. and you sat outside. 
this well, property. Well, I sat outside starting about midnight until about 4 because his parties would go until about 4 or 5 in, in the morning. I remember hearing birds chirp. And I was like, hmm, this is early. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe I won't get to bed today. But, uh, yeah, and what was interesting about that, because we do, we have the tinted van, and I, we put curtains up so you can't see, and they're, like, extremely, like, very, very, very dark. Uh, but and it was hard to see the people going into the party because mm-hmm. everything was so dark. And then, you know, when you flip on the camera... It's kind of like uh, LED light, so mm-hmm. I had to cover that up because because why would a guy be sitting in a van at two in the morning at this house where these people were drinking, they're having a party, they're speeding up and down the street, and I was like, you know, somebody in this crowd will knock on this window and want to know what I'm doing in here, uh, but it worked out. Uh, and then you'd call me. Right, at two in the morning. <laughs> Brian, Brian. But do you ever worry about, like, your safety? It, I mean, it's an it's a overnight shoot. Yes and no. Not like, uh, is it a dangerous job? But just, you don't know how people are going to react. And especially, you know, not to pinpoint neighborhoods and that kind of thing, but I'm always cognizant of of where I park and and the surroundings. Mm -hmm. I always park where I can get out quickly. Um, But I do that when I go to the mall, when I'm Christmas shopping. I do it all the time anyway. But it's just, you know, things that I think about. Um, um, And then I don't want to hurt because they, they give me two vans to use. I don't want to wreck anything because I get a lot, I get a long leash. They even call it my van now. It took six years for them to refer <laughs> to it as, me, as mine. But, you know, I don't want to... Yeah, uh, they're going to start having injury. you pay for the maintenance now. Right, right, right. So and the gas. It's all yours. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's fun, especially when you get the guy. When you, the minute you get the shot, you're like, it's such a relief. You're like, I got it. Well, and you've spent days and days and days on end on some stories and gotten absolutely nothing. So Mm -hmm. you do strike Mm -hmm. out sometimes. Well, you sent me to the one where the guy uh, out in the boonies. Sorry. <laughs> Liam's like, oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought she said something. And I was he like, no, he turned no, to Liam. When uh, I forget the guy's name, but you sent me out, and you and we, Brian and I sometimes plot these out. Like we'll Google map it and figure out sometimes where to park and what it looks like. And you said to me, oh, there's a bank right next door to where this guy worked, you can park there. Well, that was and a bad I'm, decision. That was oh, bad advice. Was huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I get to the bank before it opens, and I can't believe how stupid this is. But I get to the bank, and I set up my curtains, I set up my, my camera, and I'm waiting on this guy across the, the parking, parking lot, lot yeah. area to get to work so I can get – I knew where he parked, and it was like a good 15-second shot of him walking into the building. While I'm sitting there, so the bank manager comes out of the, of the bank, and I'm like – and I'm just – I mean, I'm butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, oh, man, this is it. He knocks on the window, and he, I rolled down the window. He says, can I ask what you're doing in my bank parking lot in a van with curtains? <laughs> I was like, let me get out. And I, mean, I need to explain this to you. I said, please don't call the police. I mean, it, it's, it's innocent, but, you know. So I told him what I was doing. I said, so now that we're talking about it, can I continue to park in your parking lot? He's certainly not. <laughs> and he, so he made me leave. And I was like, oh, man. So then I parked across the street, and the guy saw me because I was parking across the street, and there was no way because when he parked in, he faced me, and he probably knew that this van was out of place because in the bank parking lot, it didn't look out of place. But mm-hmm. where I was, it did. And he stared at me and walked in. I'm like... 
become. So don't do your surveillance in a do, bank parking lot. No, no, no. They will That's, think it's a federal crime, probably. Well, we're glad you weren't charged with one. <laughs> and, and I don't know what I would have called and said to you, like, uh, the feds are coming. I've been arrested. I'm hiding on the floor. <laughs> I'm hiding on the floor. SWAT's here. We, we do this surveillance oftentimes because of a tip, because someone says this is happening there, this person's here. We want to hear tips from you. So if you're listening to Open Record and you have a story idea, send it to us, theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Well, that's the dinner bell, which means it's time for our dinner party question. This is a weekly segment where we answer questions we most often get asked as journalists when we're at parties or events out and about. And here's the catch. We have no idea what the question is, and there are several envelopes in front of us, and we're going to pick one at random. And it's Pete's turn as the guest host, so go for it, Pete. Does the station know that you're using their envelopes? (laughs) Who else's Add envelopes the, would we be using? <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, a lot of Fox 6 envelopes here. Do you ever spend a lot of time investigating a story just to find out it's not really a story? Oh, Pete well, this is the yes. perfect question. <laughs> <laughs> or you do surveillance and you're like, oh, we're not going to do that story. <laughs> Pete, uh, Elaborate a, on that a yes, little yeah, bit, let's, Pete. Let's hear you about seem it. to have let's some feelings. <laughs> Yes, I think, well, when people call about something, like the Lester Buchanan, that was a tip call. To this day, what really uh, stands out to me is we have no idea who that guy was. He just called and said, hey, watch this guy that comes home every day in the afternoon. I'm like, yeah, right. And so Brian says, why don't you go out there and sit? And there he was, right? But if that guy had had midnight to eight hours and was working you know, in his yard during the day, that wouldn't have been a story. He was just working in his off time. So it would have been a waste of time after the fact of us finding out. So what you're saying is sometimes you go out to try to verify the tip and it just doesn't pan out. Right. And that happens actually probably a lot more. Quite a bit. I get a lot of those. I mean, to contact six, I spend a lot of time making calls on stories that never actually happen. People who have complaints about a building or about, you know, a car dealership, and I just find Mm -hmm. there's not enough evidence to go on or there's no trend. I can think of one story we actually pretty much shot involving a wedding photographer. Um, and there was a couple who had contacted me saying we got married months ago and we never got our pictures and we were promised them. And now our wedding photographer isn't calling us back and he's not, we can't get a hold of him. And they were very upset. We got these interviews with tears. They just wanted their wedding pictures. And I actually got the wedding pictures for them. It was a great resolution for a story, but I wasn't comfortable with what happened with the photographer. I couldn't exactly nail down. Was this an accident was this a miscommunication? Did he do something wrong? And I didn't have any other indication of other people who had had problems. I had, so I felt like I had to drop it. And it was hard because it could have been a good story and maybe I could have done it, but I just didn't feel comfortable with what I had. And, and that was one we'd gone to quite an extent you, with. The time and effort you put into that, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of want something to show for the work effort. And I mean, you did behind the scenes, but no one ever saw it. Well, you know, and especially uh, you, with you doing Contact 6, you're on the air obviously more frequently because you guys have stuff uh, several times a week sometimes, whereas I may go a couple of weeks without even being on television. And I've had a lot of people say, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and, and it's a good question. Maybe my boss is asking that question. Maybe Leanne is asking that question. But, but Leanne knows as well. 
oftentimes what we're doing is we're making those calls and we're doing that surveillance and we're doing that research. And you and there have been many times where I've gotten far along into a story. I've done key interviews. We've done surveillance. We've got the open records and there's just a piece missing or there's something we go, you know what? This just isn't what we thought it was. Or maybe there's a legal issue that suddenly this goes up the chain of command and, and lawyers of corporate go, you don't have all your I's dotted and T's crossed until you get this piece. We can't put this on the air. Um, and, and they're doing that out to make sure we're not being unfair to someone. We're not harming someone wrongfully. So you can put a lot of work into a story and then find out this just isn't going to make it on TV. And I would say we probably end up doing more work that never makes air. Than, than we do what actually ends up on television. Yeah. And, you know, when you pile it up and you think about it, you're like, it, it, it's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like the grind is always there. So it's like the next story, the next story. So, you know, we work on three or four or five different stories at a time. So there's always something to do. But you, the point is to put it on TV. Well, I think <clears> with consumer in particular, with Contact 6, I've often referred to what you guys do as a unit, very little of what you do actually makes it on television. I mean, the vast majority is behind the scenes, and I've referred to it as constituent work. It's like Mm -hmm. a lawmaker who's just helping out a voter. You are helping out viewers, and oftentimes you're helping them out in ways that doesn't quite rise to the level of a news story, but you're pointing them in the right direction to this resource or that resource, or it might be a story you've done 10 times before, and you don't need to do the 11th, but you can still get the resolution. There's a lot of that that goes on. Right. We've estimated that more than 90% of the work we do never makes air, and we're taking complaints every day. And most of them don't turn into a story. We got $11,000 back for somebody a couple weeks ago for our carpet. There was an issue with their carpet, and we didn't do a story about it just because it didn't seem to have enough of the elements we were looking for. But, you know, that's a lot of money that we got back for somebody. And I put something out on Twitter about it, um, but we didn't do a report about it. So there's there's just so much digging, and it's it's kind of disappointing when it doesn't work out and you put all this effort in and you thought it sounded like a really good story, and then you just get to that moment where you hit a wall and you think, oh, I'm not comfortable with this anymore, or there's there's just an issue here. And with Contact 6, I'm aware that we carry a lot of weight for the businesses that we mention in our report, and that's going to be on the Internet. You know, if someone looks up the name of a company we've done a story on, anytime someone Googles that company, it's going to come up. So I want to be very careful about the companies whose names we're putting out there, and I want to make sure that these are people that have a history of problems or had an act that was particularly out there and people should be aware of. So that's a responsibility that I feel is on my shoulders. Well, And even when these stories don't pan out, we still have story slots to fill. Mm-hmm. So when you've worked a lot on one story and that doesn't work out, you've still got to find something to fill that hole. And so that's where sometimes it can be, uh, you know, you, you'll push really hard and you have to decide. You have to, it's almost a gamble at times. How much more effort do I put into this one and go down the rabbit hole if it's never going to make air because I've got other stuff to do. So there, there, there's a, uh, a reality to how far can you push some investigations. Maybe that last piece is out there, but if it means Pete has to sit on a house for two straight weeks for eight hours a day, well, we can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just might not be able to get that And piece. Pete doesn't want to do that. And Pete doesn't <laughs> want to do that because it's winter and it's negative 10 outside. My One of my professors said that news is, and I grew up in the Midwest, so it fits, but uh, he said that news is often like running in front of a combine, you know, on a farm, mm-hmm. big, you know, and he says, and you should never fall <laughs> because, you know, it's a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that. That's how, and he was right. You know, news is a lot of times is like running in front of a combine. Well, you just gave me a whole different look at my job. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Now I better get back to work. 
Thanks for listening to Open Record. We want to thank producer Pete for joining us today as our guest host, and thanks to all the other people that bring this all together. Dave Machuda, our editor and executive producer, Leanne Watson. If you enjoy listening to Open Record, let us know. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Unless it's bad, then we don't want it. (laughs) And if you want more Open Record, just head to our website, fox6now.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.